Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm-hmm. You friggin' betcha. Oh, yeah, sure. Friggin' betcha. You friggin' betcha your ass, we do. <laughs> it never gets old. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Rand- randomly the other day, Zach brought up wanting to go ice fishing with your dad, Lucy. And I was like, I think we could make that happen They'd i don't never know. find his body <laughs> he would love to take him ice fishing but he probably would love driving him back 15 minutes later <laughs> I, <know. laughs> well, I told zach zach was like mike mike is his best friend mike mike and i you know we talked about it we think it'd be so cool to try it and whatever and it's this all stems from like they tried their first um not grain belts, but some beer that's like a very Midwestern piss <laughs> like beer. Like a Northeast or something? Yeah, some, no, but like a real piss beer. Like a real mm. ice fishing beer. Oh, okay. And he told me about it and I was like, yeah, that's a real ice fishing beer. And he was like, oh my God, you're right. What? We what? <laughs> so they had one watery beer. Yeah. And now and they, they want to fly to Minnesota. Yeah. Well. And go ice drive. fishing with my dad. Go whenever it's safe. Right. So, and then I said, okay, you're not allowed to, you and Mike, you two Brooklyn idiots are not allowed to try to go ice fishing on your own. No. It's way no, no, no. too dangerous. Can you imagine those boys with an auger? No. They would, <laughs> they'd be dead They'd so fall in fast. the hole. The corner, I can't imagine them in boots. The, the corner would be like, there are 16 causes of death. Like, I've never All seen anything All equally responsible? Like <laughs> they both is- bled and froze to death. This is record-breaking. eaten by fish <laughs> before they were dead. We found Zach's eye like in the belly of a walleye. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you have to go chaperoned with somebody with whatever. And he was Experience. like, obviously, Sean. We would go with Sean. And I well, was like, okay, okay. My dad could bring his big, uh, that spear thing. Yeah. He has like a triton. Yeah. <laughs> he spears northerns with it yeah ice fishing was too easy for this man serial (laughs) killer i'm telling you guys murderer my dad's a murderer remember when he like broke a reed or something in vietnam and then whittled it and then speared a fish like at the resort and the resort was like um sir (laughs) yes actually yes i do Sir, your he, skills. He was like, I don't want to pay for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Minnesota part of all of it, is that he's on vacation. <laughs> and he wants to save the what? Like 10 US Sense. dollars. This happens all the time. So we were he in Chicago. whittled his own spear. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Okay, just making sure I'm understanding this. And also, it. consider the language barrier, too. Yeah. They weren't understanding each other at all. So the the tour guide, like, chef dude was just like, Where did this well, fish come You're terrifying, so I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. Well, I guess when, enjoy your dinner. 
So this is how Minnesotan my dad is. We were in Chicago when I was in high school with our foreign exchange student, just walking down. It wasn't Michigan Avenue, but it was like a very like commercial retail mm-hmm. touristy area. Mm-hmm. And this guy, we heard a woman scream and a man run out from like a side street with her bag, like her purse and like a shopping bag. And my mom and sister and I were just like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Where'd <laughs> Not dad helpful go? at all. Oh, my, my God. My dad took off after the purse snatcher caught up to him. I've never seen your dad run. This is like a 20-year-old something young man. Professional purse snatcher. Caught up to him. They were running alongside each other next to a brick wall, and my dad hip-checked him into the brick wall. Hockey, baby. Hockey, honey. (laughs) So the cops, because the cops were in pursuit, but my dad was faster than the police. Well, the police are useless. They needed your dad. Held him down until the cops got there. Wow. Oh, my God. He made a citizen's arrest. Yeah. With a hockey move into a brick wall. I really love that he hip-checked a a perp. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perp check. Anyway, who are we? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That was like a completely random rant that I initiated. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm Kenyon. (laughs) I'm Lucy. (laughs) I'm Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) The topic of this week's episode is a very special fan pick brought to you by Oshi Watson. Ashi Watson? There's no shade of no. Wait, no shade of no. I think Oshi. Oshi. I like Oshi Watson. I love it. It's like a cool name. Mm -hmm. Feels like you should have a set of cozy mystery books written about you. Oh, Oh, yeah. 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 Speaking (laughs) of cozy mystery books, can we just talk about how Stacey Abrams can do no wrong and Mm -hmm. also writes multiple series of erotica under the pen name like Celine Montgomery. How does she have the time? Right? Literally. She saved saved democracy, not single-handedly, of course, because so many activists and organizers helped, but like she fucking led that effort Mm -hmm. to save democracy. Good on you, Stacey Abrams. Ashi Watson has selected the topic that has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about thus far. Not a, not a bit. Not a bit. <laughs> not uh, a but wink. But it's a great topic, and it's making me very nostalgic for days when we could travel. Hellish hotels. Oh, uh, yeah. So much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Remember when hotels we are gross. Hotels. I love a good hotel. Though. I also when, love a good hotel. When we were on tour, like, we kind of have an urge, like, if we're spending a couple nights in a city, we'd sort of have an urge to be like, let's find a boutique hotel in, like, a cute little area of town, blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of our tour, Kenyon and I were just like... Never again. Bland. Well, I want the blandest, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> Holiday Inn I Express. think we stayed in three boutique hotels, and then it was, yeah, just, like, One a of loft them didn't have the a rest working elevator, and yeah. we were like, that's it. Never yeah. again. It was stunning. <laughs> it was gorgeous. It was like a pre-war, beautiful building, whatever. In Milwaukee. But it didn't it was... have an elevator. Nope. And we were yeah. on the second floor, and we were that was it. Done. That was it. And we like supporting the small businesses, but there's something that's just so relaxing about like a clinical, like a sterile mm-hmm. fucking taupe. Yep. And gray, yes. yep. air conditioning blasted. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I Thick just hotel dinner, rooms. 
I didn't like one a queen noisy size bed. Yeah, the rod. I didn't want yeah. any of my senses to be like activated <laughs> yeah. by the time we all. got home to the yeah. hotel. And so just yeah, being able to just evaporate into a king bed <laughs> with old episodes of forensic files yes. in a beige room service of like a really expensive, terrible Caesar salad. Yes. Uh-huh. Bad eggs in a <laughs> shitty Caesar salad. Yeah. And then forensic files ends and it's pawn stars and that's when you fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. a continental breakfast. Oh, I want to travel and again. <laughs> you check out on your phone. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to talk to anybody. You don't need the key cards back. No, you, just you leave them in the room. On. It never happened. My God. It's like we were never <laughs> it there. It never happened. <laughs> One of my favorite hotels we stayed in was the hotel in Cleveland. And yes. my room overlooked a Margaritaville. <laughs> so did mine. Yeah, it all was, of us did. They were just in a row. Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> Worst hotel food we'd ever had. Oh, really bad. Yes. And Margaritaville. It was a perfect night. Anyway, that felt nice to yeah. think about. I know. Ah, one travel. day. Especially for those one night turnovers mm-hmm. where you'd we'd fly in, we would get to the hotel, check in, have yep. like two hours and then have to like have full makeup, finish our notes, yeah. create the slide for the show. That kind of shit is wasted. All of our gear and deco- decor and merch. Yeah. To that's the wasted venue, on a boutique hotel. We don't even yeah. have time to enjoy it. So why bother? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just put me in that padded room, baby. <laughs> I want the most anonymous uh-huh. setting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, okay. Let's drink. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's drink. Yes, please. <laughs> What's our wine crime pairing for hellish hotels? We're going on down to Winktown. Yeah. <gasps> this week. And, you know, it's a loose pairing. <laughs> it's just a really good I'm wink surprised. wine. I'm Yep. Um, <laughs> this is the Sapore Locale, because oh, no matter the locale, one. there's probably a hotel there. Oh, that's good. Okay. It's got a word in it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean local knowledge? I think so. Just to do it. Sapore. This is a Nero de Avola red. Uh, it's a Sicilian varietal. Mm. Flavor. Local flavor. Local flavor. You check into your hotel, you, t- you check out the local flavor. Mm-hmm. The local Margaritaville. It all circle. <laughs> you overlook the local Margaritaville. You wave at it from Best your room. view in the house. You close your curtains. <laughs> and you don't speak of it again. It never happens. Yeah. So this is a beautiful fruit-forward Sicilian red. This is a chance, according to Wink, for you to celebrate... The Italian way of life. Once used mostly as a blending grape, Nero Diavola is now popular as a single varietal that performs way above its modern price point. So it's like affordable, but she is tasty. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this is a very economical choice for your wallet. After being harvested from sandy-soiled vineyards, the grapes were then fermented and aged in stainless steel to let the true nature of Nero shine through. Channel the local cuisine and pair with any tomato-rich dish that's available on the room service menu. Yeah. Oh. For a little extra Sicilian flavor, the bottle art, which if you are watching at home on Patreon, I'm showing you right now. features ceramics by local artist Forlin Antonio of Don 
Corleone. Don Corleone objects out of Tormina. Nailed it. I didn't. (laughs) Sure didn't. Flowerless. Yikes. She clocks it at 12.6%. She's a medium-bodied gal. (laughs) Vegan winemaking, low sulfur, low sugar, totally organic. This isn't going to, like, blast you with tannins. It shouldn't leave you with a red wine headache. Like, she's perfect. Mm -hmm. Nice. And... I am using my nice pop wine key available on the uh, online store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com, to get this open. And hopefully I don't blow it. But I might. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, are you okay? You spilt. I'm stained. <laughs> but I'm fine. Whatever. It's red wine all over my new jeans. Oh, no. Good thing I kept that Stitch Fix subscription. <laughs> Do you need to switch your jeans? Oh, no. Do you no. need to go it's soak not, them? They're Do not, you need to get a shout wipe? Oh, no. I, honestly, I like the spots. Okay. They add character. I look like a painter. <laughs> Just shout it out later. Get yeah. out of there. Get out. <laughs> go. Can't you see you're not wanted anymore? Out damn spot. Out damn spot. <laughs> It's also all over my desk, and I have nothing to wipe it up with. Cheers, hey, everyone. Cheers. Ooh, Take it away cheers. while I look for an oh, oh, I found these cotton swabs. Oh, nice. I need to order more. Okay. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for hellish hotels? Here we go. For the uninitiated. <laughs> I'll just be over uh-huh. here dabbing. It's good. You're fine. A hotel is a bit <laughs> like that kind of dabbing. No. <laughs> okay. We're oh, so dang old. spot. Oh god. Okay. A hotel is a building that provides lodging, meals, and other services to the traveling public on a commercial basis. A motel performs the same function as a hotel, but in a format designed for travelers using automobiles. Oh, like a motor 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 hotel. hotel. Okay, were you really today years old when you made that connection? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Just confirming that. I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) It does make sense. (laughs) I just always That's genius. Who came up with that? (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Well, we should call airport hotels like Aero Hotels or something. Aerotel. That's a brand, isn't it? Doesn't have the same ring as motel. Mm. (laughs) I'll work. I'll workshop. Yeah, you workshop that. (laughs) Moving on. A hostel is a hotel designed for cheap young adults who don't mind sharing a bathroom with 40 strangers. And getting athlete's foot. And, yeah. The smells will stay with me forever. The characters, the creepy dudes who are like, I'll take the bunk room. Ew. No. We've stayed in our fair share of hostels. I've only stayed in one, and me and my friends that were there were the only ones there, and it was great. Very lucky and not. And it was in Duluth. So it had a hot tub. That's different. Kenyon and I stayed in one in Rome, and my sheets had blood stains. (laughs) Yes, they did. Well, that can happen for all kinds of reasons. A lot of my sheets have blood stains. Yeah, okay. 
Well, anyway. It was really gross. Here's some etymology for us. The word hotel is derived from the French hôtel, coming from the same origin as hospital, which referred to a French version of a building seeing frequent visitors and providing care rather than a place offering accommodation. So it came from the idea of a hospital. Got it. And hosting. Yes, and hosting. In contemporary French usage, hôtel now has the same meaning as the English term, and hôtel particulier is used for the old meaning as well as hôtel in some places such as Hôtel Dieu in Paris, which has been a hospital since the Middle Ages. Wow. Grammatically speaking, hotels usually take the definite article, hence the Astoria Hotel or simply the Astoria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's a bit of history from Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, that wine is really good. Mm-hmm. So is mine. Mm. And it's- my flavored sparkling water is getting all of the stains out of my cheeks. Nice. Oh, you're so crafty. I found out. In watching one of my BritBox shows recently, that people used to use beer to wash their floors. Mm-hmm. Oh, that seems like it'd be sticky. Well, you would, you like water down the beer, mm-hmm. but then it it's like a good way to clean wood floors, especially. Weird. Yeah. They probably used beer to maybe, wash maybe the floors like of a good, inns. A good ice fishing beer. Could be. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Inns have existed since very ancient times to serve merchants and other travelers. In the Roman Empire, hostelries called mansiones, got it, were situated along the Roman road system to accommodate travelers on government or commercial business. The commercial revival of the European Middle Ages stimulated a widespread growth of inns and hostels. Many of these were operated by monastic brotherhoods in order to guarantee haven for travelers in dangerous regions. So a famous example is the hostel in the Great St. Bernard Pass in the Swiss Alps, which was founded in the 10th century by St. Bernard of Monjou and is still operated by the community of Augustinian monks. Wow. That'd be a cool place to go. Yeah. Live show. I wonder if they have a bar, (laughs) though. Probably not. We'll bring our own. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. They send out all those St. Bernards with the little whiskey barrels around their collars. Oh, true. <gasps> I wonder if that's where it came from. Because they're in the Swiss Alps. I would very confidently say that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. We've figured and, it out. Yeah. Solved it. Cracked it. In 13th century China, Marco Polo found an extensive system of relay houses in existence to provide lodgings for travelers and way stations for the Mongol Postal Service. Hmm. Cr- that is wild to think about. I know. So, so, so these old inns, especially like for uh, traveling soldiers or like postal carriers, mm-hmm. they could stay at these inns and that they're, they would get a meal and a room and whatever. And then their horses would also have like a stable and they could eat their hay or they could trade them out for fresher horses. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, well, they call them relay houses for right. a reason. So yep. mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. So all the horses are basically just in a system, or when you came back that way, you'd get your original horse again? Yeah, or it's like a if, sign you were, in sheet. if you were operating like within like a, like a company, mm-hmm. it's probably not your horse. Yeah, you they're just, just switch like it company. out. It's like rental cars. Yeah. Wow. 
shopping cart. This is early Hertz. Yeah. <laughs> early Alamo rental. Yeah. Alamo. <laughs> Privately operated inns intended primarily for use by merchants were widespread in both Islamic and Western European countries during the later Middle Ages. The rapid proliferation of stagecoach travel during the 18th century further stimulated the development of inns. So it's just inns all over the place. Mm -hmm. But it was the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century that stimulated the most progress in innkeeping and, like, fucking everything else. Mm Mm-hmm especially in England, whose inns became a standard for the world on account of their cleanliness and comfort. So England had the best inns. The gold standard. The gold standard. I've never been to England, but when Bill and I went to Amsterdam, like now almost two years ago, we went to this really cool bar that was in one of the oldest, really like the oldest surviving inn in the city because there had been a big fire. And so mm-hmm. a lot of buildings that were literally like wood just didn't make it. But mm-hmm. this this inn did. And it used to take in sailors, obviously, who were like staying on between, you know, ports, ports. whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, they, it was so uncommon to have, there was no like common currency really. And so they would accept monkeys as payment for, like, room and board and food. What? And then the the (laughs) inn became so overrun with monkeys that then had, like, fleas and all kinds of disease. Why would they want all those monkeys? Who could sell a monkey? I mean, first of all, who would want a monkey? But second, I mean, you could (laughs) probably then sell the monkey for, like... I don't know. It it probably wasn't it was the best situation. Probably like some kind of fucking trend back then. Like yeah, tulips. yeah. Everybody they had to, sure they had to officially be like, no more monkeys. We are no longer accepting monkeys as payment. Because <laughs> like people don't even want to stay here anymore. Yeah, we don't we do take not- Discover. The fees are too high. Yeah. <laughs> the we fleas, don't take monkeys. The fleas are the too fleas high. Are too high. <laughs> so it's now like this iconic bar. It's called like the Apen Bar. And they have like a specific beer that's made for them. And the whole place is full of like monkey memorabilia. It was that's one of our favorite spots that we ridiculous. went to. Ridiculous. We I'm putting that on my bucket list. You, yeah. you especially would love it it's like an it's over 400 years old it's like a tiny hole in the wall and it's stunning like all the woodwork is original and it's covered in monkeys didn't you also stay on a boat that had a bunch of cats on it yep the the posen boot we didn't stay on that boat but it's a cat rescue that's in a boat on the canal okay i'm going to amsterdam at the earliest possible it was the best trip ever we loved it so much anyway that's my anecdote fucking covid Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, American innkeepers were setting a standard for size because that's what Americans yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Some quality. Yeah. We want quantity. Yep. Size uh, queens. Size, yeah. By 1800, the inns of the United States were the largest in the world. The American trend towards large size continued into the 20th century and eventually was adopted by other countries. So those big-ass hotels. hmm Started in the U.S. for the There's a big-ass hotel in the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. If we that's not the get... most American fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's apartment buildings in the Mall of America. I don't you think they're in, there. but they're, like, adjacent. There's a wedding chapel. Oh, God. Oh, God. There's so much you can do at the mall. Hmm. I wonder what that wedding hashtag would be. They did clean up the mall, though. It looks... The interior is a lot nicer Oh, yeah. Than they've it remodeled it. Yeah. It's very updated. Mm-hmm. But I bet I haven't been to the Mega Mall in 10 years. Real Minnesotans don't 
it's that shadowy place. You must never go there. Simba. I went. You and I went, and we got a big old drinks at the. We went to the yep. rainforest. We cafe. did. I'm so Just jealous. That sounds um, so fun. It was really fun. Do you still have your commemorative goblet? I yeah. have my, Wait. There we are. <laughs> a oh lady my. came by offering <laughs> to take a photo, and I paid ten dollars for this. Am I wearing my spooky little bitch sweatshirt? I yep. Think I yes. Am. <laughs> Always be branding. And then we went to the gift shop and we bought these commemorative tumblers. <laughs> My God. So. I'm so Yeah. Jealous. Real Minnesotans <laughs> don't go to the Mall of America except. When they do. To get lunch at the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> but when cafe. we do, we, we go hard. frequent the Rainforest I also cafe. love how it's completely empty in the background. We were <laughs> one of no one two there. families. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, we're a family that were there. <laughs> one of two families. I loved this day. Continue. I'm just going to gaze okay. at this. As railroads became more ubiquitous. <laughs> Kenyon has a Caesar salad. Of course <laughs> she does. It's the least surprising thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I have to put it away. No, I'm going to prop it up right here so I can stare at it. Hang it up. You're Send right. I copy. do need to hang it up. I'll find a spot. Send me a copy. Okay. <laughs> okay, I don't want to buy the copy. I'm not sending either of you shit. Can this we one's move mine. on? Yeah. Talking about hotels. <laughs> yes. And the Mall of America. As railroads time. became more ubiquitous, faster travel eliminated eliminated the need for more smaller inns serving the coach routes. So we saw new larger hotels near the railroad stations. Traveling for pleasure also became a thing in the 19th century, thus inspiring a new class of resort hotels around the world. Along the French and Italian Riviera, resort hotels were constructed to serve wealthy vacationers who frequently came for the entire summer or winter season. That sounds nice. Luck. For the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just got cleaner it's air. really just, yeah, for my health. For my health. <laughs> for my lungs. <laughs> Luxury hotels soon made their appearances in the cities. In 1889, the Savoy Hotel in London mm -hmm. set a new standard with its own electricity. Ooh la la. Wow. <laughs> and its host of special services for guests. So that hotel was like the first wow. fancy hotel. It was lit. Oh. <laughs> I took a photo of our Rainforest Cafe picture for the Thank blog. That you. was fucking good. Okay. <laughs> After World War II, many new hotels were constructed near major airports. No, Your Aerotels. Aero <laughs> I like Aerotel. Aerotel. That's not what they're called. There was a rise in <laughs> there was a rise in chain hotel operations, which is when a corporation owns and operates two or more hotels. It's like a serial killer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Threshold is two or more. That's Got very it. low. In order to increase efficacy in purchasing sales and reservations. There are three main categories of hotels. We have transient hotels, mm -hmm. resorts, and residential hotels. Okay. A transient hotel is just like what we think of when we think of a hotel. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, where most of the guests are not permanent residents. Mm -hmm. Guests of these hotels can generally expect a room, a private bath, phone, radio, and TV, plus like depending on how nice it is. Laundry, swimming pool, valet, dining, gift shop, lounge, whatever. Mm -hmm. A resort hotel is a luxury facility intended for vacationers and is usually located near a special attraction like a beach, historical area, spa, ski park, or Disney World. Some mm. sort of theme park. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes they are seasonally operated, but that is becoming far less common than it used to be. 
Mm-hmm. Just because technology, we can heat hotels now, you know. Right. Yeah, and if, you know, for ski hotels, they can create, like, summer activities to try to even out their annual income. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um. So a residential hotel is basically an apartment building with maid service, room service, and a dining room. Okay. What's that you say? Right? Where do I <laughs> sign? So this this isn't the type of hotel necessarily, but like, you know how like Coco Chanel lived at the Ritz for like right. her whole life? Mm-hmm. Technically not a residential hotel necessarily. Maybe they, that block of rooms was. But there's like types of hotels and then it's kind of, it can be different from just like the ways people use these hotels. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of subcategories and yeah, it's not like what's his name, Royal Ten. Was it Royal Tenenbaum? Oh yeah, the dad's name was Royal, I think. Where he like know. gets kicked out of the hotel that he'd been living at for not paying his bills. Sure, sure, oh, sure, yeah. sure. Or like Eloise. Mm-hmm. Some other types of hotels are luxury, boutique, extended stay, timeshares, love, historic. Cave, cliff, capsule, ice, treehouse, underwater, overwater, and micro stays. Mm. What's a micro stay? Like those Japanese tiny little yeah, hotel like a rooms. Pod. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Micro stay. Okay. Quick anecdote about love hotels. <laughs> yes. Stupidest. Do tell. Story. First of all, they're everywhere in China. So yeah. I have stayed at a love hotel because they're real cheap. Okay. Oh, yeah. We stayed at one in Hong Kong. Not real. It was just so cheap. We didn't realize. They're Chung for fucking. Mansion. Yeah. They were like. like they're for fucking. Yeah. They're like, you're going to stay here for how long? They had to like find a different rate card that Chung wasn't King Mansion hourly. isn't a love hotel. It's not great. It's like a hostel. We stayed there too. I stayed at a hotel that had like a little saucer of condoms next to the bed. Oh. And, like, hearts on everything. Cute. And, like, the walls to the shower were glass looking into the bedroom area. Okay. Hooks on the wall. Anyway, that wasn't my anecdote. Like, I didn't want to look at it too much, but (gasps) it was for apparatus, apparati. Anyway, when my parents came to visit us in China, we were going to go from China into Vietnam, just, like, you know, why not hit two countries at once? They've come all that way. My mom thought that the dates on your visa didn't really matter, but they super fucking do, yeah. obviously. So my mine and Corey's and Blortney's visa were all correct, but my mom's, my dad's, and my sister's were not correct. Oh, yeah, they dear. didn't buy the multiple entry, I think. No, they. we bumped our plans up by a day. Mm. But for some reason, my our visas were still valid, but theirs were not. So they had to stay in China without us for a, a full 24 hours. So they don't speak any Mandarin, obviously. We're in rural, like a, it was a large city, but it's essentially rural China on the border of Vietnam. Yeah. And so it's just like, okay, figure it out. We'll see you in <laughs> Hanoi. <laughs> So they found a lovely little love hotel to stay at overnight. <laughs> to be trapped in. She was like, it was the only one that had any English letters on it. So it was the only one where she could read the word hotel. Yeah. But it was a love hotel. <laughs> and everything wow. was like red velvet. <laughs> the three of them shared a room. Velvet is so hard to 
I stayed at a love hotel in Niagara Falls, Canada when I was 19 with my boyfriend at the time. And the room had a red heart shaped jacuzzi just in the corner, like not behind a door or in a bathroom. Yeah. Just like four feet from the bed. Yep. That's like the in Dumb and Dumber, they had, they're sitting in that heart shaped jacuzzi. Yep. And my boyfriend <laughs> at the time, like, couldn't sleep because there were like fights happening. We were on like ground level and there were like fights happening outside our door all night. <laughs> you it just was a really like a romantic baby. getaway. That sounds about right. It was great. I want to stay in an overwater hotel. So, yeah. like, think of, like, the Maldives. Yeah. Like, you walk out on the docks, there's all those huts. Mm-hmm. That'd be super cool. That'd be really cool. I wonder if you just Someday. poop straight into the water. No. Okay. I don't think you do. Yeah. Maybe. No. Okay, here's some fun facts for you about <laughs> hotels. Everyone at that resort dies of cholera. Well, they don't tell you to swim right there. Okay, fun facts. The largest hotel in the world is the First World Hotel, not a great name, Mm. in Malaysia with at least 7,351 rooms. Wow. No. No, thank you. That's too many people Mm -hmm. potentially near me. If you've ever stayed at the Venetian Complex in Las Vegas, that has 7,117 rooms. No. Mm -mm. Too many. Mm Mm-hmm. The smallest hotel is the Ehausel Hotel in Amberg, Germany, at just 570 square feet. That it is just Ehausel. <laughs> it is Ehausel. <laughs> Sounds like a major hassle. <laughs> it can only accommodate two guests at a time. <laughs> that's, that's just a house. Yeah, exactly. That's a small a apartment. <laughs> 570 square feet. Yeah. It's not. It's not tiny for two people. It's not an insulting amount of space. No, but, but it's no. insulting to consider that a hotel. It's not exactly. a hotel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could yeah. be an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. That's, yep. Mm-hmm. The oldest hotel in operation is the Nisiyama Onsen Kiyonkan in Yamanashi, Japan. All right. Nailed it. Cool. The, ho- the hotel first opened in 707 AD. Wow. And has been operated by the same family for either 46 or 52 generations. I saw two different numbers there. That's a lot. Either way. A oh lot of generations. My word. They've mm-hmm. operated. Oh my God. Yeah. Imagine the, the pressure. Successive family business. Like also? ever. It's got to oh, be. I don't think so. Japan is old. They probably have restaurants that are older than that. That's true. That shit's always mind-blowing to Americans. Yeah. 707. Yeah. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. That's legit. Basically when my grandma was born. (laughs) (laughs) 708. That's when root beer was invented. (laughs) She's Uh, an 08 baby. (laughs) Yeah. She's an 08 baby. 708. (laughs) A.D. Instead of a millennial, she's a millennium. Got it. Millennium. millennium. <laughs> the Parker Phenomenal. Meridian at, in New York City, their restaurant is called Norma's, and Norma's serves the most expensive omelet in the world. And it's Why? called the it's called the zillion dollar lobster frittata. That sounds disgusting. What? Mm, I do like a lobster omelet. 
It's not a zillion dollars, but it is $1,000. For an omelet? It includes a full pound of lobster and more than half a pound of caviar. No. That's dumb. I don't like it. Who wants a half pound of caviar? Yep. Is that for one person? Well, probably not, because a full pound, like that much, that would just be like volume-wise a huge amount of food. You should offer that at... um Lachelle's. Lachelle's. A thousand dollar omelet. <laughs> a zillion a dollar ton burger. Of caviar on it. Just put Ew. it on the menu. See if anyone orders it. Someone what if they do? Will order it. Well, like, oh, we're sold out. It's been 86. <laughs> no, serve it to them and get paid a thousand dollars for yeah, a burger. They're not going to know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. They're not going to know that that caviar is not beluga and it's actually just like. Sesame seeds suspended in gelatin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's asbestos scraped over the top. It's It's a zillion dollar burger because of the medical seeds. (laughs) Yes, yes. Filter out those wet chia seeds from the bottom of a kombucha bottle. Yeah, and then plop it on a burger. Put a frozen lobster tail on there. You got yourself a zillion dollar burger how about i sprout some mung beans on a moist paper towel in your desk in my desk they're very nutritious but they smell like death (laughs) (laughs) oh i know exactly what he's talking about (laughs) gross distinct old man smell oh jesus okay a person named chow ka fai chow ka fai a housekeeping staff member for the cordis hotels in hong kong Earned the Guinness World Record for fastest time to make a bed by a, a king-size bed by one individual. Wow. And it only took them one minute and nine seconds. Wow. So like all the all the special Crazy. corner folds and yeah. everything. Wow. That's fast. That's impressive. I hate making the bed. I, it's, I've been doing it every day because I do love a made bed. Oh no. But I hate it. I do you don't have make a top? Bed. Do you use a top sheet? No. Mm-mm. It's very simple. My problem is that I have to always readjust and retuck the fitted sheet. The fitted oh. sheet doesn't stay is in he place a very well. I think I am. <laughs> it might be me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Corey thrashes. My side of the fitted sheet is always fine. His is always loose, and I don't give a shit enough to ever fix it. I just put the comforter over. Mm. Air it out. I think top sheets are a f- fucking joke they are mine always ends up in a wad at the bottom of the bed no matter what i do it's always there i also don't like the feeling of getting into a hotel bed with that top sheet fit like tucked so tight like a straight jacket i have to kick until it's Mm -hmm. like loose Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because you're not a psychopath Mm. exactly well you know in In that that regard in that way yeah okay this was my favorite part the most expensive hotel room in the world. At $100,000 per night, the Empathy Suite Sky Villa at the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas is the most expensive hotel room to stay in. The Empathy Suite? Finish. That's it's, how rare it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you can afford it, you can't feel it. Yeah. I mean, actually... There are photos on the drive, and this will become clear about how douchey this is momentarily. Designed by that artist, Damien Hurst. Damien Faye Hurst. Damien Faye Hurst. This is that room? Oh, God. It offers 9,000 square feet on two floors, a chauffeured car service, 24-hour butler service, 
A-list access to the clubs and a recording studio and $10,000 in credit to spend in the casino downstairs, among other things, which we'll I want to do it. So really, I love it's $90,000 a night. Oh, no, there's a two night minimum. Well, I'm just saying. So it's $180,000. Well, it's it's credit. It's $10,000 in credit. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're really get, I don't think yeah. they're giving I, you $10,000. Yeah. You have to use it to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here is It's more. a hideous room, it's by the way. It's heinous. Really okay, ugly. this is from a Forbes article. The suite itself houses a 13-seat curved bar created by Hearst and filled with medical waste. What? Huh? Yeah, okay. So if you look at, there are a couple of different bars. Let me see. The one with the colorful bar top? Everywhere. They're like, that, they're like stickers everywhere. That, okay, so all the, all the decals on the windows are like pills. There are pill bottles, details of pills and pill bottles all over. So that colorful bar top is like, it's like oh, yeah, it's shit like bags, set. It's like set in resin. Surgical masks. I see it. Yeah. Oh, ish. Yeah. And Ew. there's like pill shit everywhere. Is it like supposed to, like you're supposed to like do drugs and get high in this hotel? Well, I mean, it's just Vegas. this guy. I have no idea. This is his style. It's like butterflies and pills. And animals suspended in formaldehyde. Like, those are his things. Which, like, great. I but. don't get it. I don't either. It's It just seems really douchey. Okay, hanging at its center is Hearst's 2018 piece, Here for a Good Time, Not a Long Time, oh, featuring God. two vitrines, one with a marlin skeleton and one the other with a taxidermy marlin. Elsewhere, there's a gym a salt relaxation room, and two media lounges that sit 50-plus guests on Hearst-designed furniture. And there are five other original Hearst works dotted throughout. Then it lists them all. I don't give a shit. I wonder how often this gets used. Because, like, there's a lot of wealth coming in and out of Las Vegas. Yeah. But, like, if I spent $200,000 for two nights and I got this room... I'd be I like, don't know. Ooh. some people are into it. If you have two hundred thousand dollars to spend on two nights in a hotel room, you don't care. It might as well be half a million dollars. I yeah, feel. that's true. If you have that kind of money, You're money right. is not even an, an issue. Yeah, but perhaps most most recognizable is his piece, "Winner Loser," which is a white tank set into the wall of the suite, housing two bull sharks suspended in formaldehyde. I put a picture of the bathtub for Amanda. <gasps> Not but even, even that ba- great. Wait, even is that a bathtub? I thought there was a pool. The big marble, the big the gray dark, marble. Yeah, the dark marble one is a bathtub. It's I not a pool. Titled it oh, empathy I titled wrong. Okay. Yep. It's well. not that great of a bathtub. No. No, I don't like that dark marble. I don't like the, the view pills. is cool. I don't like it's anything. Really sending about the this. wrong message. It's very cold. Yeah, it looks like a I will grave. Not be spending my two hundred thousand. Absolutely <laughs> not. I will not be spending more than I spent on my home, basically, <laughs> on this hotel. And here's the most egregious part: this shit is two bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms. What for this? I just, I just can't. I nannied a family that lived in a hotel. That's and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> in New Mystery. York. In near near New York, yes. Wow. I remember that family. 
That's all I'm going to say, too. <laughs> well, great. Well done. <laughs> anyway. Now we great. have nothing else to say. <laughs> great views. If you're a huge fan of Damien Hurst, I almost said Emil Hirsch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is for you, but probably not. This no, is a fucking racket. No. And I liked ugly. my my like discounted room at the Bellagio way better than that. Yeah, monstrosity. I, I liked could, my I could come up with a much nicer room for that amount of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's my segment. Well, Love to talk about in terms of hotels, but this this particular room is. I feel a, like we learned a, a lot. Nightmare. All I want to do now is go to Vegas. Never yeah. been. Don't bother. It's gross. Don't listen to her. It's amazing. I did watch Viva Las Vegas recently. Does not hold up. <laughs> I watched that like 50 times as a child, and then I put it on, and I was like, Zach, you're going to love it. It's so fun. And then I realized that there's like not a plot, and there's just like a lot of like objectification of women, and like it's terrible yeah okay. you should watch leaving las vegas yeah Probably a better film yeah. mm-hmm. anyway okay. let's let's hear a word from our sponsors yes let's <laughs> warby parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores because they have actual stores too offering eyeglasses sunglasses eye exams and contact lenses their glasses mm-hmm. start at just $95, including prescription lenses. Because you buy them at your local, like, vision store, they're mm-hmm. pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So they got sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses available. They got it all. I love those blue light lenses. And getting your new fancy pair of glasses or sunglasses through Warby Parker is, like, so easy. I didn't think that doing it online would be a good way to do it because I've always gotten glasses in the store where you try on a million frames. But Warby Parker not only has a really cool quiz that you take when you first like get set up with their website, you take a quiz, it helps you like identify your face shape, helps them recommend frames for you. And then you pick five frames in, an, in a home try-on kit. They send you the kit. You can try them on. I just got a kit because I need new prescription sunglasses because I had Warby Parker sunglasses. And then we went swimming in the ocean two years ago Someone uh, while on tour. Someone just needed to ride those waves. I had to ride those waves and I got knocked over and my glasses are now in the sea. <laughs> um, and I was really sad, but I didn't have to be that sad because I can order new ones from Warby Parker without breaking the bank. So... They sent me this try-on kit. I, like, sat at home with Bill, tried on all the frames, took photos of myself, and sent it to our entire group chat, had everybody (laughs) weigh in. And I am obsessed with the new sunglasses I got. I got these haze, like, sort of rounded, like, very chic sunglasses with, like, a blue tortoiseshell frame and, like, a blue hue to the lens. They're, like, And it's, like, a little bit mirrored. They're so cute. They're gorgeous, and they fit perfectly. And then, so you have your home try-on kit, and then you just send everything back. They pay for, they give you, like, the prepaid label, and then you go online. You know exactly which ones you wanted because you tried them all on. You drop them in your cart. They You put in your prescription, and they send you a beautiful pair of sunglasses or glasses or whatever glasses, and they're amazing. Yeah. So do yourself a favor. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free 
For five days, there's no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. So again, try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com forward slash gals. Treat your eyes. Treat them. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Yeah, quite important. Care Of offers high quality products with personalization. All of their products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. Also, I wasn't a big vitamin person before I tried Care Of, but they're cute little online quiz. It's in-depth. It takes five minutes. It asks you questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns to help address your specific wellness goals. So I took this quiz and it just broke it down for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? You want to sleep better? Here's what you need. You want stronger hair? Here's what you need. And here are exactly why these specific vitamins will help you meet your specific goals. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be easier. And you know what? You got to celebrate the little victories in life. February can still be your fresh start to the new year and your resolutions. They don't have to be big because big resolutions really just set you up for failure. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Small, impactful changes are just as important as those big ones. So like Mm -hmm. adding a daily vitamin to help support your energy, sleep or fitness to target those goals, whether in the short term or the long term. I'm a big fan of just those little changes because they really add up and make a, a big difference. And these mm-hmm. vitamins come in little packs. You can throw it in your bag, on your way out the door, whatever. It just couldn't be easier. And I feel good taking them because I feel confident knowing what I'm ingesting. Yeah. It's so great and so easy. I just keep mine in my medicine cabinet by my toothbrush so that like when I'm brushing my teeth, I see it. I know I got to take it. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go for the day. It's mm-hmm. so easy. So, for 50% off your first pair of order, go to TakeCareOf.com forward slash GALS50 and enter code GALS50. That's G-A-L-S-5-0. One more time, for 50% off your first care of order, go to TakeCareOf.com forward slash GALS50 and enter code GALS50 and treat your wellness. Treat it. My case, I bet a lot of people have heard about it. It kind of blends true crime and spooky. Mm-hmm. So definitely famous, but maybe there are a few folks that, that don't know all the details. So construction began on the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles in 1924. Ah, uh, yes. Good vintage. Great year. It was the joint venture of three successful hoteliers. How do you say that in English? Hotelier? Hoteliers. Hoteliers. We still say hotelier. Okay. <laughs> Name, how you how say do you in say English? that in English? Cucumba. Well, I didn't know if you guys Just were going to make fun of me. Just because we don't say papier mache. <laughs> Three successful hotel owners <laughs> named <laughs> William I Banks. I can't deal with you sometimes. <laughs> how do William? you say that in English? <laughs> In my hometown of Normandy, France, we didn't learn how to say the English pronunciation. I love how douchey you are. It was a legit question. Whatever. William Banks Hanner. Hane. Tanya. Hane. 
Charles L. Dix. Oh, no. <laughs> We've opened a can of whelps. Whelps? Whelps. No. <laughs> Chuck Dix. Chuck Dix. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert H. Shops, or Schnapps, maybe. Mm. Schnapps. <laughs> Schnapps. And he needs to be shaved. <laughs> Holly Hunter playing Robert H. Schaps. <laughs> the law firm of Hannah Dixon Schnapps. Schaschel Hotel. <laughs> the three Schaschel Hotel. <laughs> the three envisioned it as a destination for well-off business travelers and tourists. The design of the hotel included several lavish touches. Touches. <laughs> <laughs> lavish touches. <laughs> such as a marble lobby and stained glass windows. Only a few years after the Cecil opened its doors, the country entered the Great Depression. However, oh, bad timing. Bad time to open a like hotel. Like opening a hotel right before COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like graduating college with your bachelor's in 2009. Yep. Yeah. That was fun. Good times. <laughs> there was obviously much less demand for hotel rooms, especially expensive hotel rooms during the Great Depression, but still, you know... Wealth inequality, the Cecil was able to actually do okay enough for itself throughout the 1930s and into the 1940s. There were enough rich people still. Well, thank God for that. Even as the rest of downtown L.A. declined around it, and it had a reputation then as being like a fashionable destination in L.A. Eventually, though, the Cecil, too, would fall into disrepair and became known as a cheap place where transients mm-hmm. could rent long-term rooms and also a rendezvous spot a for love hotel a love hotel oh. for adulterous couples sex workers and their clients or lucy's entire family lost <laughs> or lost in a drift expired visa <laughs> stranded travelers <laughs> whose half of their family left them behind without help whatever It's your fucking fault. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. (laughs) But even starting in the early relatively prosperous years, the Cecil seemed to attract more than its fair share of tragic and violent events, leading many to believe that this place is a fucking curse. You cursed. Mm, Yeah. She cursed. Mm -hmm. She fucking cursed, and we will get to it. There's so much. Oh, my God. Okay, it's like mind-boggling to believe that this was all related to one building. Yeah, basically like American Horror Story Hotel is based on like this and H.H. Holmes Murder Hotel. Oh, and it's only been open for like less than 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. To start us off, we have some suicide stories. So on November 19th, 1931, a 46-year-old man named W.K. Norton was found dead in his room at the Cecil after ingesting poison, and he had checked in a week before under a false name. And this, we believe, was the first, at least documented, suicide to have taken place at the Cecil. But this would become such a common occurrence in the ensuing years that the hotel would be nicknamed The Suicide. Okay. I think people dying by suicide in hotels is way more common than... Mm -hmm. Well, Well, there's a lot of, like, 
you're not gonna you're less likely to be discovered by family or loved ones mm-hmm. you're still gonna be discovered by someone which you're still sucks. gonna be discovered gonna by someone. someone but it's not right. gonna be somebody who's scarred by seeing their mother right with their exactly head blown and then tainting Child. like the home that you share with another individual mm-hmm. like it makes sense kind of there's a That's whole infrastructure of cleaning it up Terrible in place. For hotels. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's awful, but yeah. I kind it kind of tracks. I understand what you're yeah. saying, yeah. Most of the people who completed suicide at the Cecil died either from ingesting poison or from jumping from an upper story window. There are photos on the drive of the hotel if you want to go take a look real quick. So it's like, I don't want to see that. No, of the the, like height of the hotel, not of- She's tall. Yeah. Do any gruesome pictures. Yeah. Yeah, The fall would kill you for sure. Yeah. In several cases, investigators were never able to determine the identity of the deceased because they, like Norton, the first guy, checked in under false names. Mm. And back then they couldn't do- DNA or whatever, and sometimes, you know, the condition of the body was not such that it could be identified. Right. Yeah. Dang. Mm-hmm. Now we'll move on to murders. Cool. Oh, Love it. okay. <laughs> We're getting a real smorgasbord on this one. It really is. It's a lot of very short dives. So the hotel has also been connected to numerous and high-profile murder cases. Luck. So the earliest of these cases was an incident in 1944 in which a 19-year-old woman named Dorothy Jean Purcell was staying at the Cecil with her 38-year-old shoe salesman boyfriend. Mm. And this case is not what you think it's going to be. It's way darker than what you think it's going to be. Great. Also, isn't isn't Kenneth Purcell the name in 30 Rock? Probably. I think it's Kenneth. Of the... Of the blonde page. Yeah, the page. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. She's 19. Her boyfriend is 38. I'm assuming he's married. Sure. I don't know for a fact, but I think so. They're staying in this hotel. She wakes up and realizes she's gone into labor. (gasps) She didn't even know she was pregnant. Oh, my (gasps) God. Next thing you know, she's starring on a TLC show. That is my worst nightmare. I know. Right, yeah. And it like, happened to someone we know. Oh, it sure oh, did. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Every time I have poop that comes with like painful cramping, <laughs> I'm like watching the bowl like a hawk. <laughs> it is a real fear yeah. that I operate through the world with uh, uh, weighing on my heart. Yeah. <laughs> you could be secret pregnant and suddenly go into labor. Yes, what my would body you do? changes depending on like which burrito I ate that day. So which I would burrito? never know. I know that children are not at all in your plan, but if you were to go into labor later today and give birth to a healthy child, what would you do? Give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> FedEx it to Kenyon. Yeah. Zach, we have a blue-haired baby. Yeah, what do I do? Pack it in ice? <laughs> Dry ice. It. It'll be fine. Send it to Kentucky? <laughs> Make sure to get a tracking number. I don't know. You can I mean, barely I even ship wine keep here. it. I would just resent it my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this poor... It'd be a great story for cocktail parties, though. That kid yeah. will be using Talkspace. Let's just say that. <laughs> So, okay, so she goes into labor in the hotel. She's in the Cecil, which is, like, not a great hotel. They're no, in a shitty if you gotta go hotel. into labor in a hotel, this is not the one. No, no. no. 
Um, it's the empathy sky suite. <laughs> That's met. the yeah, one Going you into really labor wanna. there would be like the only place worse than the seaside. <laughs> You're just like it's butterflies so, and marble. There's like not a soft or porous surface in that entire place that yeah. could just hose it down. Yeah. And you know that was intentional. Yeah. I would give birth if I were in that suite and I found myself giving birth. I would do it in the like a what's it called like a birthing pool that is the hot tub overlooking the strip yeah oh yeah just scream let everybody hear and see it yeah um so not wanting to wake her boyfriend because wake him up because she's a poor little baby muffin and was shocked and confused probably in shock Oh, yeah, she's 19. Oh, my God. She went into the bathroom where she delivered the baby on her own. Nope. Silently, so as to not wake her boyfriend. Nope. And then threw the child out the window. Oh, Oh, I told you it was not going to go where you thought it was going to go. Yeah. She defenestrated the baby. Yes. She would later claim that she believed the baby to be dead at the time she had done so. I don't think they could... um, determine one way or another right uh yeah. she was arrested for murder um and after the trial she was the focus of like lurid tabloid coverage because obviously this is like the wildest case ever yeah and um, i mean it's not the, the choice was not the right choice no but i do have a lot of empathy for her situation she was in a crazy situation she, yeah but no obviously mm-hmm. that's horrific she was declared not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah. Because well, I think because what she did was so wild. Right. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. couldn't have been in her right mind when she made that decision. Right. It was pure panic and adrenaline. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. To not know you're pregnant and to be in such a place and in such a relationship where you deliver that baby silently in yeah. the room next to your sleep. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Ah, so creepy. Okay. So. The next grisly occurrence at the Cecil took place on June 4th, 1964, when an employee... So they made it a good 20 years before the next murder. They have one of those little calendars. (laughs) It's been 20 years since our last grisly situation. Tabloid fodder murder. Oh, there were definitely some suicides in the interim, but this they made it this long before the next murder. Great. Brava. Brava. Cecil. When an employee of the hotel entered one of the rooms to find that a woman named Pigeon Goldie Osgood. Love I her like already. That. Sign Pigeon me Goldie. Up. Don't yeah. sign up. Don't sign up. Horrible. Team d- Pigeon. Enjoy the name. Have fun with the name. Break. And horrible end to this poor woman. Great. Cool. Kenyon's always killing them off left and right. I'm not. Not me. <laughs> It's you. <laughs> if a tree she, falls in the forest she, and she Kenyon doesn't t- report on it. Did it really happen? I'm going to tell you about her first and then tell you what happened to her. So she was a retired telephone operator and she was well known in the area because she was um, almost always in the nearby Pershing Square feeding the pigeons. I love her. the bag. Feed the birds. She, <laughs> she's that lady from... Home alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Covered in pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> she I was scarier her. than the burglars. Oh, yeah. She had been just brutally attacked, beaten, raped, and stabbed to death in the hotel, in a hotel room. Funny. The hotel room that Pigeon Goldie's body was found in had been thoroughly ransacked, but the killer left the two items that Goldie was never seen without. Her Dodgers, 
baseball cap. Oh my god! And a brown Pit. paper bag of bird seed. No. no! I know. Pigeon What's Goldie. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you monster! I didn't do Leave it. Leave Pidge alone. <laughs> Poor Pidge. So, hours after her body was found, a 29-year-old man named Jacques B. Ellinger. Uh, was seen walking through Pershing Square in blood-stained clothing. Uh-oh. He That's was, not good. He was arrested and charged with the crime, but was later released as there was no other evidence tying him to the murder, and they couldn't test the blood. So he could just say mm-hmm. it's his or whatever. I have my period. What? Yeah. He could have said, <laughs> I was I was butchering pigs or whatever. Mm-hmm. They couldn't test it. And Pigeon Goldie's murder remains unsolved. I don't I know mean, why. Like we've she solved it. She didn't have a lot of money. She must have had like some small amount of money. Yeah. And was, or just attacked randomly. I don't oh, know. So but sad. she was beaten and killed in the hotel room. Yeah, and raped. Yeah. Oh. Now we're going to move on to serial killers. Oh, good. Oh. Okay. I was wondering when we were going to get here. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. So this is all one hotel. Just yep. a reminder. Further contributing to the Cecil's dark reputation, uh, it was the known residence of two very notorious serial killers, one that has been back in the news lately. In 1985, Richard Ramirez, Mm. better known as the Night Stalker slash most disgusting human to ever walk this earth. Yeah. I can like barely even research or talk about him because he's so gross. He was living in a room at the Cecil that he rented for $14 a night. And while living at the hotel, Ramirez killed 13 victims. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So by then, it was extremely run down, the hotel. And it was like the perfect place for a creep like him to go unnoticed. Just, yeah, just fly totally under the radar. Everyone that was staying there was like, he blended in. Yeah, don't, you know, don't ask, don't tell. It was what, creep paradise. Yeah. yeah. So after returning from one of his murderous home invasions, he would dump his bloody clothes in the hotel's dumpster and then slip back in through an unlocked back entrance. And like, that's not even like, he wasn't even like trying yeah, to hide it. Yeah, that's not clever. That's too that's easy. Me taking all the McDonald's bags out of my car once a month, mm-hmm. throwing them into the dumpster and going in the house. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like he could have he could have turned them into like laundry service. Like it was like that obvious what yeah. he was doing. Jesus. How'd they figure that out? Did he say? Probably. I don't know. Actually, I don't like I don't like even reading about him, so I no. did not dig yeah. in any farther than that. Six years later, a man named Jack Unterweger. Mm. I don't know if I said that right. Unterweger? I don't know. Underweger. (laughs) Began working as an on-location journalist reporting on Los Angeles crime for an Austrian newspaper. (laughs) Which is weird, but okay. Seems weird, but all right. (laughs) Unterweger was a convicted murderer in Austria. He had been charged with the murder of an 18-year-old girl named Margaret Schaefer in 1974 and sentenced to life in prison. But while incarcerated, he began writing extensively, and he caught the attention of Austria's literary elite. Oh, Jesus no. Lord. 
who successfully lobbied for his early release, believing him to be reformed. Uh, no. No. This is why we get questions of, like, which serial killer would you want to interview and blah, blah, blah. It's like, none of them. None of them. None. I I don't want any contact. I'll watch shows about it. Like, I'll watch Mindhunter, whatever. But, like, I am not qualified and I have no fucking desire to talk to these people. And we've had opportunities pitched to us Mm-hmm. to talk to killers in jail and like no nah, nothing not want to give them any kind of platform i will say there is a show on hbo that i told you guys to watch it's called i think it's called crazy not insane mm. and it's about a woman who has spent her whole career interviewing killers and mm-hmm. serial killers and just talks about like their their psyche and it's so interesting. It's very trained professional studying yeah, but like Kenyon said, we don't have. I want to no. I want to watch chops. her show. Right. Exactly. Right. I don't want to. Uh, we're not I don't journalists. Do it. We're not psychologists. Yeah. Not, no, 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 at no. that point, it's just voyeurism and like, mm-hmm. yeah, no. So somehow, this fucking murderer who killed an eighteen-year-old girl who gets lost in this story, but he fucking killed this poor girl is supposed to have life in prison. He. They lobby, they get him out after, like, I don't know, like, 15 years in prison. Mm-hmm. He's released in 1990, and he began making frequent appearances on talk shows to discuss his rehabilitation and, of like, course. become famous. Mm-hmm. An autobiography that he had written in prison began being widely taught in Austrian schools. Ah, schools? Yeah. Elementary um, schools. I don't like this guy at all. In the first year after his release, he murdered seven women. Yup. All were strangled with their own bras, which is the same way that he had murdered Margaret Schaefer. So which he is just also a reminder to never wear a bra. True. Yeah. I'm not victim blaming. It's just safer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like exercise. Yeah. Don't exercise. It's not safe. Don't wear a bra. None of it's safe. In the first year after his release, mm-hmm. he murdered seven more women. While he's being interviewed and going on like a tour, being yeah, like, he's I'm like, rehabilitated. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. He's that putting himself so in the spotlight fucked. and totally getting off on the fact that he's also mm-hmm. simultaneously committing these horrific crimes mm-hmm. and people aren't noticing. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Hate it. These crimes would not be tied to him until later. And in a fucked up twist, he'd begun working as this reporter in L.A. And he covered the discovery of several of his own victims. Oh. Like to like break the news. My. And was like, there's a serial killer on the loose. And it's me. Yeah. Ew. That is so psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Don't like it. Thanks, I hate it. I really don't like it. In 1991, he got the overseas assignment that would send him to Los Angeles to report on crime and the differences between the U.S. and European attitudes towards sex work, selling Mm -hmm. sex, prostitution. When he arrived in L.A., he moved into the Cecil, and some people believe that this was a deliberate, quote, homage to Richard Ramirez. Oh my God, totally. Because like he didn't have to live there. He no. Was, he was no. kind of selling it as like, I'm going to be amongst my subject and there's right. a lot of sex work happening around here and there's a lot of crime happening around here so I need to be like sure. in the thick of things. But like, 
No. He didn't need to stay there. Mm-mm. He was looking for access to, to victims. victims. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Ew. Yeah. That's exactly he what was, was hunting. Happening. Yeah, exactly. In the year <sighs> that Unterweger, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say his name, spent but living also, at the Cecil. But who fucking cares if we don't get this yeah. dick underway right? Austrian jackoff. Yeah. In the year that he spent living at the Cecil, three sex workers in L.A., Shannon Exley, Irene Rodriguez, and Peggy Booth, were found beaten, raped, and strangled to death with their own bras. Yep. Wouldn't be hard to tie all these crimes together. You wouldn't think so. He's got an M.O. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think that the guy who went to prison for murdering someone by strangling her with her own bra then wrote a book about it. Then got released from prison, and then seven more victims after his release popped Mysteriously up. Mysteriously pop up. Some of which he reports on. Yeah. And then he's he, kind of a common thread. And then he moves to another city, and then three more victims of identical MO crop up. Unbelievable. I can't. I mean, coincidences I happen all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. So ultimately, Jeez. Austrian police tied the string of murders back in Europe to him, and he was extradited back to Austria and sentenced to life in prison for realsies this time. Yeah, but he didn't even get, he didn't really see justice for any of the crimes he committed here because police in the U.S. didn't fucking do anything. Right, correct. So who knows if Austrian police hadn't figured it out and extradited him, all of which is a process, Right. Mm -hmm. how many people he could have killed. Yeah, I mean, he could have way more victims than we know about. He probably does. He probably does. Especially because he targeted so many women who were selling sex. Like, they just are not a priority. Right. And, well, yeah, especially back then, they were so marginalized. And mm-hmm. still today, but especially back then. And his MO was so specific yeah. that hopefully we do know about all of his known victims. But at the same time, like, people can change their MO. Mm-hmm. Or it can evolve over time. Yeah. So they we don't usually know. do. Yeah. The bra uh, thing, though. The bra yeah. thing. That's weird. Ugh. That's so, telling. That's damning. It's damning. His is the most wild story, I think. And just because we don't have the time to fully get into the next case, I just want to briefly mention it, but it kind of is more of a standalone case than mm-hmm. we have time to get into right now. But there's also the story okay. of Elisa Lamb, who was the Canadian student. She was young. She was 21. And she had was like on a solo bus trip. Mm-hmm. And the Cecil was trying to like fix its reputation at the time and like rebrand because it obviously has quite a checkered path. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> um, so it was sold to new owners. They started refurbishing it. They were trying to, like, really change things up. They changed the name to Stay on Main. They were doing everything they could to... Distance ourselves. <laughs> yeah. To not be called The Suicide or oh. that place that both those serial killers lived at <laughs> oh, during no. the height of their crimes. Hashtag thriving. <laughs> So they um, did everything except for exorcism for sure. this hotel. Yeah. Which they maybe probably should have. Probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> but then in 2013, yet another notorious tragedy struck the hotel. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of to trying to rebrand as like a youth hostel. So then this 21-year-old student, Elisa, goes. She's traveling alone. She was given a shared room, but then her roommates were like, she's acting odd. 
And so she was moved to a single room, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. And she had previously been diagnosed with depression and bipolar disorder, and she was on medication, but it's possible that she had stopped taking her medication because... Yeah, she might have been in crisis or having an episode. That's what it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, we don't have time to go fully into the story, but her... She disappeared, and her body was discovered three weeks after her disappearance in the, like, water tank Yeah, on the roof of the hotel. And there's that, like, really creepy famous footage of her, like, getting in, in and elevator. out of the elevator. It's just the spookiest. There's so much more. We just can't get into all can't of it. Can't do it. But, like, yeah, it's a very <sighs> interesting thing. But one more thing about the Cecil. After the Elisa Lamb case the ownership changed once again those poor interim owners were like we can't fucking it's been zero days since our last (laughs) dark tragedy horrible tragedy oh the cecil's for sale again so it is it was it's it's the location (laughs) it really is because it was purchased for 30 million dollars whoa Location, location, location by a New York City hotelier. Mm, There he is. Who then. Hotelier. (laughs) Hotelier. (laughs) Who leased it on a 99 year lease to a developer and they are planning a $100 million renovation of the property to. Like currently? Yeah. To transform it into a hip boutique hotel and micro rental units. I mean, I'll go. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Not I have a cocktail in the bar. Yeah, I, I won't stay there, but I would have a cocktail in the bar. Yeah, I'd stay there. When the developer was asked if the hotel's gruesome history might deter guests, yes, he responded, no. "Quite frankly, a lot of people already come here out of curiosity." Yep, looking for the bar. I mean, we work in, in true crime. We know how yeah. sloppy banans true crime fans are. Yeah, <laughs> and. I'm up there. With I want to stay at the Lizzie Borden house. I want to do that. Which is basically like, the same thing. I want to stay at the Haunted hotels house. are like my favorite thing. Yeah. I like a hotel with a checkered past. Checkered past. This one is uh, too dark for me. I Nobody's think. perfect. <laughs> Leave her alone. Leave the Cecil alone. <laughs> it's not a fault. Uh, Anyway, so that's my case. A bunch of micro cases. I'm sorry I didn't fully cover Elisa Lamb. It would just, we don't have the time in this We'll format. have to cover her at a later date because yeah. it's so detailed and so weird and there are yeah. so many theories and we are going to want to like talk about it. There are also so many other podcasts out there who oh, have yeah. done a really good and thorough job talking about her. And so that's not us. If you're listening yeah, we, you're th- curious, we didn't fully cover her. Just Google yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But it is I love it. fascinating. Well, I, I too have to think that she was just in crisis. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah. Well, for sure. But like how she got in there. How she just, got in the tank yeah, is the real the question. the biggest mystery. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Anyway. Another to aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well done. Nice Thank job. You. Adding the Cecil to my post-COVID travel list. Mm-hmm. All right. Amps get life insurance Cecil. out on Amanda. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> we have our death clause. She, yeah, she's fine. You have a plan. <gasps> we need You're a fine. disappearance clause, though. We do. Ugh. We'll just blend disappearance and death in the case of my death and or disappearance. Mm-hmm. I'll text our lawyer right now. Yeah, yeah. Text oh. Julian. Anyway, all right. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Yes, let's. <laughs> 
With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Couldn't mm. be easier. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store, God bless, and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that is why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Tell us yes. more. Hello, HelloFresh. HelloFresh, like Lucy said, cuts out stressful meal planning. My God, I cannot. And grocery store trips. Who's Who wants to do that ever, even before the end times? Mm-mm. So you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. They even have 20-minute meal selections, and Hi. we will get to it. Um, and you can also cut down on grocery bills. You're saving up to 40% instead of shopping at your local store with HelloFresh delivering the pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet and your wallet. Having all that stuff pre-portioned, it doesn't contribute to all of the food waste that we experience in our country, which is like massively a problem. I know that whenever I have a recipe that calls for like parsley or you know, herbs or whatever, mm-hmm. you can only buy it in like this huge thing that I only need like a tablespoon of Yeah, if you want it fresh. And then I don't know how to cook, so I don't know what other recipes I could use that stuff in. And then it just gets moldy <laughs> in my fridge. And HelloFresh has completely changed that for me. And like I said, the 20-minute meals are my favorite because I have no patience and no skills in the kitchen. So the other day... We made gnocchi with spinach and grape tomatoes. It's one of their 20-minute meals. It was so easy. You top it with these little, like, toasted garlic butter breadcrumbs. Oh, my God. Yes, like fresh shaved Parmesan, like the good Parmesan. Oh, yeah. It was such a bright, fresh, delicious meal to have in the middle of, like, winter mully grubs. It was (laughs) so good, and I felt like... I felt like Top Chef. You're Gordon Ramsay. I am. Yeah. Thanks to HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. So go to HelloFresh.com forward slash 10GALS. That's one zero G-A-L-S. And use that code 10GALS for 10 free meals, including free shipping. One more time. What? Yeah. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash 10GALS and use code 10GALS for 10 free meals, including free shipping. You can't go wrong. You can't. No. Treat your meals. Treat them. Native deodorant is formulated without aluminum, parabens, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Check, check, check. Native deodorant has ingredients that you know. It's made with ingredients that you've actually heard of and can pronounce, like coconut oil, shea butter. You wear deodorant every day. Should you be able to understand the ingredients that you're rubbing on your underarms? It's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. It also works. Okay, I am a stinky gal and I am a sweaty Betty and I was very concerned about switching deodorants. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. But once I made the switch like a year or so ago, I have not gone back. Switching to native from an antiperspirant does not mean you have to worry about that midday BO. There is a reason why native has over 16,000 five-star reviews. It works and the scents are amazing like i i reapply because i just like the smell it's so good and they come up with new scents like regularly and they're all so good 
I'm currently rocking the tangerine and citrus blossom scent. I am literally sticking my hand or my face in my armpit right now to smell it because it smells so good. They have over 10 scents, including their classics and rotating seasonal. So you're guaranteed to find one that you love. Um, their classic scents include coconut and vanilla, which is oh, the most popular. I love that one. It's a good one. The lavender and rose, cucumber and mint. That's the one that I always have in my arsenal. And then I'll switch it up with the seasonals. Um, and the citrus and herbal musk That's is my also staple. so good. It's like a little bit, it kind of smells like my husband's deodorant, but mm-hmm. it's like, I just love it. I absolutely love that citrus herbal musk. And I, That's what I love about the tangerine and citrus blossom too. Like it has, it's not like overtly feminine. Mm-hmm. It just has like, I love it. It's yeah, I'll just like walk past my bathroom and just go in and like take a quick hit of my deodorant. Take a whiff. Yeah. <laughs> they also offer a plastic-free option. So if one of your New Year's resolutions is to cut down on your plastic consumption, then mm-hmm. Native now offers a line of plastic-free deodorants in their most popular scents. I love that. They have just something for everyone. Maybe you're into your more natural scent. So Native has a popular unscented option. And if you're more sensitive, check out their sensitive collection, which is made without baking soda. Oh, I love that. They've thought of everything. There's also mm-hmm. no risk to try. They've got free shipping on every order in the U.S. And Native offers 30-day free returns and exchanges in the U.S. You got nothing to lose. Who lets you swap or return your deodorant? I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo.com slash winecrime. 2020 or use promo code winecrime20 at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash winecrime20 or use promo code winecrime20 at checkout for 20% off your first order and treat your pits. Treat them. How's your comforter looking these days? <laughs> not, not great. Yeah, is, is your comforter a visceral reflection of how you're feeling in the current <laughs> times? Maybe a little lumpy, a little deflated, a little, it yellow. Have that, a little yellow. It doesn't have that same like crunch of a brand new comforter. Oh, you know that crunch I'm talking the about. The cloud. Yeah, it doesn't have the same fluff that it used to. And you know, that means it's time for a refresh with Brooklinen. I am fully obsessed with Brooklinen. Mm-hmm. Brooklinen creates beautiful high quality bedding and home essentials. They work directly with manufacturers to give you a fair price. No middle people, no mm-hmm. markups. Their comforters come in lightweight, all season and ultra warm to suit every type of sleeper and lifestyle. There's even a weighted comforter option for stress relief. Yeah, I have like five different comforters that suit my needs via Brooklinen, depending on how I feel when I go to bed. It's completely bonkers, and (laughs) I will never go back. You've like tailored your bed depending on your mood. And Bill and I each have our own comforter. We do not share a blanket. We share a bed. We do not share a blanket. And I have multiple options of mine. Share a blanket with him. Cannot. Yeah. Especially a partner who thrashes like mine. Mm-hmm. No, I need my own. Yep. So Brooklinen also offers a variety of materials, including an eco-friendly recycled down alternative. I love mm. that. And Brooklinen's mm-hmm. comforters pair perfectly with their sheets, pillows, and duvet covers. There is a reason Brooklinen has over 75,000 five-star reviews 
and counting. So I also have to shout out their towels. Yes. I love their bath towels. We have their sheets. We have their towels. We have their duvet covers. We are like walking Brooklyn and ad (laughs) personified. We love their products. I wouldn't have it any other way. My life and my sleep has changed for the better. Yes. A thousand percent. So join us. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Brooklinen's Comforter Collection. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get $25 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code GALS for $25 off with a minimum purchase of $100. One more time, that's brooklinen.com, promo code GALS. Treat your sleep. Treat it. Honestly, I could probably just begin and immediately end my case for hellish hotels by saying today we're talking about a Holiday Inn in Iowa. Oh, what? Where we stayed for Lucy's wedding? Criteria met. Special thanks. Not a Holiday Inn. No, no, it was was nice. Give me a little credit. (laughs) (laughs) There it is, hellish hotel. Just kidding. There's more. And Lucy, this is gonna hit all of your boxes. So yes, I'm so excited. We're traveling back in time to 1980, the roaring 80s. (laughs) Roger Atkinson, a Missouri man who worked as a telephone installation tech and repair man, was married to, I kid you not, this name is real, Marcella Schatt. S-H-A-T. Schatt. I know, but it's funny. So the couple were childhood sweethearts who had begun dating at the age of 15. I don't know. He likes that Shat girl. He loves him. <laughs> He's all wrapped up with that Shat girl. It's always going out with that Shat girl, going around with that Shat girl. Taking a Shat. <laughs> they had one child together. Where are a you daughter. taking a prom? I'm taking a Shat. Taking a Shat. One of the Shat daughters. I'm taking a Shat to the movies. they had a daughter together but their wedded life was not bliss and roger would use his job to get close to other women was he a a boob inspector or probably well no he was like people's phones fbi FBI. (laughs) gave free mammograms while he was repairing your phone oh so he's like a btk type well sure but he's not a murderer so he just sucks he would schedule <laughs> fake repairs He's or like installations to be invited back into the homes of women that he liked. Gross. Yeah, ish. I hate it. But the tactic worked on one young woman, a young single mom. What's her name? And nursing shart. Name <laughs> another shart. A young single mom That's and nursing cousin. student named Rose Burkert. Burkert and Shart. Burkert. Attorneys at law. <laughs> And the two struck up a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone in this dies, so I really shouldn't be making fun of these people. But oh. also, Roger is garbage. Okay. You can be murdered and be garbage. Both things can yeah. be true. Yeah. <laughs> They're so, not mutually exclusive. Not right? all victims are angels. No. no. So because Roger was Roger. married, the two of them couldn't <laughs> be like out in the open as a couple. So when they weren't meeting in Rose's home, they would go out of town together. And one such a trip, they decided to drive the 270 miles from home in Missouri to enjoy a romantic weekend away at the Amana Holiday Inn in Williamsburg, Iowa. What a oh, destination! The colonies. <laughs> there you go. Actually, it is a destination. It's like Amish area. Sure. The it what? is. The <laughs> Amana colonies? Of the Amana colonies. 
Colonies of Amish are like Mennonite, like Mennonite people. Okay. They have like little shops and bakeries and windmills and shit like that. Okay. Okay. I'm sure it's very cute. They have a killer outlet mall too. Mm -hmm. Mm. There you go. So they arrived at the hotel on Friday, September 12th, 1980, but the two biffed it. And in their urgency to get away, they just kind of like picked a spot and drove. And when they got to the hotel, they were informed that it was completely booked up for... Drum roll, please. A mortician's convention. Yeah. Now that's a destination. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we don't have any room. all of Lizzie's boxes. I know. I was like. Check. I was check, reading the footnotes check. of like one article and I just kept going. <gasps> <gasps> it was great. Funny last name. Piece of shit. We got man. a chat. We got Iowa. Iowa. Mennonites. Mennonites. <laughs> Mennonite. Mortician's <laughs> convention. Oh, yeah. So, I'm so into this. The couple are a little defeated, but they're determined to get a room. So they ask the clerk, like, please, triple check. You're, you can't be telling me in this holiday in, in fucking Williamsburg, <laughs> Iowa, there isn't a single room available. And lo and behold, there had been a last minute cancellation. And Roger and Rose got the only room left in the hotel, room 260. Oh. <gasps> So at 7.40 p.m., they checked in and made their way to the second floor for their weekend of passion. (laughs) (laughs) The couple were seen at the hotel. convention. Their weekend of mortal passion. The couple were seen at the hotel several times that night. Once when they were asked to move their car out of a handicapped parking spot. Okay, Roger sucks. He Come the fuck sucks. on. <laughs> and also, like, Rose, yeah. honey, what are you yeah, doing? No. you're complicit. Yeah. You suck, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. They both fully suck. They're fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Once uh, when they ordered room service and once when other guests allegedly saw Rose get into an argument with a hotel bartender. Okay, so she's a piece of shit. (laughs) It's unclear what the argument was about. I assume she was just being a Karen about Uh her cocktail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This isn't strong enough. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Give us this water down. You watered it. It's water. (laughs) I saw you pour it out of that bottle. It's already open. Mm. (laughs) It's flat. So. Who are you they to also, cut me off? Ow, <laughs> I'll tell you what I've had enough. I pay you. <laughs> I pay your salary. And I work don't for tip. me. I don't tip. <laughs> I don't believe in it. Mm-mm. <laughs> I mean, she's brutally murdered, but also oh, like. Shit. Well, but, like I said, basically everybody in this story dies, but just because you're murdered doesn't mean you're not a fucking asshole. Right. You're, My fa- you complicit in an extramarital affair you're right. parking in handicapped spots you're yelling you're, at a bartender you're, you're yelling at a bartender does it mean you deserve to get murdered no does it mean you're probably a little p- bit of a piece of shit yeah yeah <laughs> all be true yeah my favorite is when they're too drunk to do the math to add the tip and just go hey are you uh, figure it out in. yeah <laughs> i have fully done that oh yeah. yeah i don't know you i can't trust myself you fill it one in. eye What's 20%? Nice. What's half of 10? <laughs> you move the decimal points. And then double it. And then multiply by what? I don't know. You fill it in. I gotta go to bed. I gotta throw up. This pen doesn't work. <laughs> Ma'am, the cap is on. <laughs> <laughs> We've 
have all been this bitch, this, though. That was me in Las I've Vegas. I've never argued with a bartender. No. No, 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 no. no. I've, we've been the bitch who's like, I can't do it. You figure it. I, I can't trust do it. you. Tip yourself generously. Get yeah. yourself something nice, but my card has a $40 limit. <laughs> so three phone calls were also accepted to their hotel room, two from the babysitter that was staying with Rose's kids and oh, one God. from an unknown caller. Oh, they were buying drugs. Mm. Well, no, it was an incoming call, so I don't know how that would work, but they were all incoming calls. Okay. The next morning, September 13th, housekeeping came by to tidy up. They knocked several times, and after no response, entered the room to clean it, which is completely standard, unless you hang that, like, don't clean my room sign on the door. Mm -hmm. But what the housekeeper found upon entering was not what she expected. A bloodbath. Yep. So this comes from iowacoldcases.org. Yes. Quote, Rose and Roger were lying face down in bed, (laughs) partially under the blankets. Rose was fully dressed, but Roger was in just his shorts. Both their heads had been obliterated by a weapon with a sharp blade believed to be an axe or hatchet. Lying face down on the bed, both of them? Yep. What Some of were, Rogers, they hacked, were they hacked on the bed? I, I believe so. Some of Roger's fingers had been cut off, which may have happened if he'd raised his oh, hands yeah. in self-defense. Yeah. Okay. There were two chairs set next to the bed. It's been suggested that this could be an indication that the killer sat there and had a conversation with the couple uh. or something else that we'll get to. And there was also evidence that somebody had put his or her feet up on the nightstand. It's undetermined whether that happened before or after the murders. If the perpetrator acted this casually around Rose and Roger, it may have been someone at least one of them knew. Or this a power is all, move. Right, mm-hmm. or a power move. But the fact that they knew this individual is a possibility because there's no signs of forced entry or struggle in the room. What year was this again? 90s? 1980. 80. 80. So... Could have been a drug deal. I'm, I'm sticking oh, with that. Oh, it totally could have been. Even could've though been. it was an incoming call, maybe they met someone at the truck stop. They're yeah. like, okay, well, but We're whatever. We're staying at this hotel. Yeah. It absolutely could have been. Absolutely. I'm going with drug deal. Also, maybe. Roger could have put his foot up on a nightstand during doing the deed. Maybe. It's possible. But she's fully clothed. I meant earlier in the sure. day or night. Yeah. The real question is, did she put her socks back on? Because that's something know. that I can't do. Mm-mm. I can't put the socks back on afterwards. After sex. No. I need new socks or just to not take them off. <laughs> you leave them on? You can leave your socks on. I've never on. left my They're socks cute. on. I have some knee-high socks. Oh, that's well, cute. Well, that's that different. Cute. That's different. Yeah, They're not sex I, socks. Not They're just like, cuter than average socks. Not like the gray-bottomed Hanes from <laughs> yeah. walking around my house The so no-shows. Much. Yeah, no. the no- Hanes no-shows that <laughs> yeah. are like, permanently stained from being in my sneakers. No. If you're fucking in no-shows, you need to raise your standards. <laughs> and that should be on merch because that is yeah. the most honest thing I've ever said. Honestly. If you're fucking in no-shows. No then Recalibrate, you're clearly honey. a serial killer. Recalibrate. Recalibrate. You need a hard reset, so, honey. Can I recommend Talkspace? <laughs> So more evidence was found in the bathroom where the killer had obviously tried to wash up, leaving blood and toothpaste in the sink and bathtub. 
Toothpaste has been a known hack in cleaning tough stains. So the theory is that the killer was trying to get spots of like blood out of their clothing. Well, yeah, if you're hacking left someone on a bed, there's a splatter. Be, that's or what spatter, I said. That sorry. My question about the bed, hacking on a soft, Bouncing bouncy surface. surface, that's messy. I mean, I, I mean, the place, it was a mess. And I don't have crime scene photos, but it was not cute. And two people. So how do you keep one? They were mobile. What I imagine was they were probably knocked unconscious. Like, especially if you're using an axe, you use the, like the blunt end, mm. like the handle end. You oh, knock yeah. them out. You, you chop them up. Them. They're not going to fight back. Both you know. face down. This is very odd. I know. Okay. Yeah. It's, I can't answer these. It, th- this case is unsolved. So all these questions you're asking me, I have no answers for. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just like, I know. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the, the toothpaste, they, they think that this person was trying to get, like, blood stains out of their clothing. They left remnants in the sink in the bathtub. But the creepiest part was remnants of a message written in bar soap on the bathroom <gasps> mirror. Red rum. Most of it had been smudged away, leaving only one legible word. This makes no sense. It's so weird. Oh, this no. house is this clean. This house is not clean. So <gasps> fragments and shavings of bar soap were found around the chair by the bedside, which indicated to investigators that the killer sat there fucking whittling the soap into a writing utensil before using it on the mirror. This was oh, a crazy ew. mortician. <gasps> right? Like, yes, it could have been a drug deal, but none of this sounds like drug deal gone wrong. No, this like, person this was is... in there for a while. This person was, like, either yeah. torturing them or, ter- right. like, purposely scaring them or was or they were unconscious and they were, like, fucking taking their fucking time. Yeah, that's the thing. They also don't know whether he, like, whittled or they, but let's be honest, it was a man, whittled before or after the murders took place. Like, Maybe they were knocked out. Maybe they and were the dead bed. and the guy was like loving it and just whittling. chilling. I'm whittling. Maybe he's like, you guys want to see my away. soap carving skills? Well, he spent all that time fucking carving soap into a writing utensil and then wrote a message and then smeared away most of it so that it couldn't even be read after the fact. That it's is like, just this this is a corner so of the soap. Isn't it creepy? It's yeah. so weird. To whittle the soap into a fucking pencil. No, you definitely don't have to. But it's that that plays into like the psychosis of yeah, what yeah. must have been going on here. Uh-huh. It's so bizarre. It's really bizarre. So Roger and Rose's personal items were ransacked, but not like thrown everywhere. They were just like obviously gone through. Cash mm-hmm. was stolen. Mm-hmm. I think some like valuable items were stolen, but nothing ever came of that. So who did it? That's what we want to know. Investigators questioned over 400 people in this case, which sounds like a lot. But if we remember, the hotel was fucking booked to the gills with morticians. That's so <laughs> hotel staff and guests alone made up a lot of that list. It was bursting at the seams with morticians. <laughs> Have you ever yeah. seen a dead body? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they're all creeps. Yeah. Like every single Mortician. one of them is a suspect. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm so a in- suspect. Yeah. We weren't even born yet. I know. Suspect. I'm that creepy. This is blowing <laughs> in my their mind. investigation, they discovered that Rose had previously had to file a restraining order against her ex, Danny Burton. Never trusted Danny. 
Mm-mm. Their relationship had ended tumultuously over his struggles with drug use, and she had to kick him out of her home. Mm-hmm. Afterward, he continued to harass her, which prompted her to file the order of protection against him. She also purchased a dog around that time because he was stalking her home. Well, I think we solved it. Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> it's clearly Danny. And a report said that this dog she purchased was killed and hung up in front of her house like a warning. Ooh. Rose was so terrified that she was making plans to move away and change jobs. However, Danny had a solid alibi from the night of September 12th and passed a polygraph test, which, of course, we know is garbage science anyway. But what the alibi is alibi? tough to work around. I need he to was, know what that alibi was. I do, too. He was dismissed as a suspect. And as far as we know, he's still alive and living in the town in Missouri that he'd been in at the time. But the details of his alibi were never published. And honestly, I don't personally rule this dude out. No. Uh, he's Missouri a top suspect for me. isn't that far from this town. No, they drove 270 miles to go vacation for the weekend in this town. Yeah. So, like, he could have... Especially if this was going down with some crossover or maybe she started seeing Roger shortly after she and Dandy broke up. Or it doesn't even matter because he's a fucking no, that's what I'm saying. I think it's stalker. Yeah, he could have followed her is what that's we're what I'm saying. saying. I think he could be he was already stalking her. She had to get an order of protection. It's not outside of the realm of possibility that he was tracking her yeah. to this location. And then that would make sense why he would like try to intimidate and like whittle and put his foot up on the Why there be no force entry? She recognized him. Maybe she let him in or was so afraid to fight back that she let him in. Like, I know he had an alibi, but the police never released what the details of that alibi were. And he's my top suspect. I would need him like identifiable on video. Yeah, exactly. In another place. Yep. I would need... So much backup of that alibi, yeah, mm-hmm. to rule him out. But we have other other possibilities. Okay. But he's definitely my numero uno. Mm-hmm. So enter the next possibility, Charles Hatcher. Charles Hatchet. is Rogers Hatcher. <laughs> Charles Hatchet. is Rogers' uncle, and dude is a mess. Okay, it's also soups suspicious timing that right before these murders took place, he had escaped from a mental health facility, like an institution. Escaped. Yeah. Okay. Charles had attempted to kidnap a 16-year-old paper boy in 1959. While in prison for this, he raped and murdered a fellow inmate in 1961. He was released in 1963, proceeded to abduct and strangle a 12-year-old boy in 1969, and deemed unfit to stand trial in 1971 and sent to a psychiatric facility. He escaped from that facility but was caught within a week. He stayed in this facility for a year before staff deemed him a danger to other patients, and he was transferred to a state hospital. He attempted suicide in June of 1973 and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. After an improvement in behavior and the passing of a new bill honoring time served for inmates, which cool, Charles went before the parole board in 1977 and was released to a halfway house in San Francisco. No, I'm sorry. No. With I know this some people cannot be reformed. In San pattern Fran- of behavior is not. We'll get to it, Lucy. Okay. All of these crimes. He's from Missouri, from this mm-hmm. like a similar area. These crimes happened in California, but he, he he's not always in California. Gotcha. Okay. I thought they were just like, 
we'll release you to a halfway house. How about this one in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I didn't make that clear. We know you love views of yeah. bays. Hashtag views. <laughs> From Missouri to San Francisco. <laughs> so after being released to this halfway house in San Francisco, he was arrested again a year later in Nebraska for sexually assaulting a 16-year-old boy and sent to Douglas County Medical Hospital. He's a fucking where he, menace to society. Yep, oh, yeah. Where he stayed for less than a year and was released in January of 1979. Our system is so fucked. It's He's so sexually assaulting children and raping and murdering ch- ch- people and children. I can't. Well, he's white. He's a white man. So by May of 1979, he was arrested again for assault and attempted murder of a seven-year-old boy <gasps> and sent to Norfolk Regional Center Mental Health Facility. Jesus. He was released. What but the sent fuck? back. Sent back almost immediately after yet another assault. And this was around the time he escaped from that facility. He was picked up again in October of 1980 in Nebraska, which allows for him being out during the time of Rose and Roger's murder. But he only attacked randos. And well, like not randos. He had an M.O. He yeah. attacked young boys. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Investigators did not believe he was the culprit for a number of reasons. One, he was likely in Nebraska at the time of the murders. Two, these murders did not fit his M.O. And three, without cell phones and regular communication with Roger, how the fuck could he have known that on that night in that town in Iowa that his nephew was having an affair at that hotel? Like, it just, it doesn't make sense. why would he care? Why would he care? Yeah, that's, and Nebraska and Iowa are not, don't they share a border? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not like the... The location it's out of the realm. Yeah, exactly. It would be probably three hours at the minimum to get right. from Nebraska to this city in Iowa. Though. There's just yeah. no motive. There's yeah. no reason. It doesn't make sense. There's no reason for him to be there. Right. Yeah. Next. Next. What about the bartender that Rose had a tiff with the night of the murder? Oh, probably. His story is odd, to say the least, seeing as how he dipped from his hotel job the next day without ever coming back to pick up his final paycheck. Ooh, because 13th. he didn't like being berated by strange Karens. I mean, for sure. But his pickup truck, which he had been living in, was found abandoned in Iowa City. Detectives discovered that he'd gone to join the army and was stationed in Germany, which stalled their investigation of him. Mm. When he returned to the States, he was questioned further and given a polygraph. He claimed that he left because he was worried that people would incorrectly link him to the murder because he'd fought with the victim the night before. Are you saying I'm a suspect? What? (laughs) Which, like, that's suspicious. That is suspicious. Sir. Yeah. There's very little information about this lead, and for whatever reason, investigators did not make an arrest or further question this bartender. Yeah, why would you not try to, like, sell your truck right before you join the army and, like... It's weird. I think it's a possibility that he's like my after the ex-boyfriend, he's my next yeah, like. Definitely. But also some bitchy fucking Karen crapping at you over a cocktail and hacking up their heads. Well, we don't have enough information about this guy. We don't know. We don't. But the reason I still what go his- back to the ex-boyfriend is because there's more intimacy. There's history. He's oh, yeah. he's shown he's- a history of rage. Killing yeah. the oh. dog and hanging it. Yeah. Like, yeah oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like if you're going to piss off a bartender and he comes to your room and he shoots you to death in the night, yes, that makes sense to me. Yeah. But 
the hacking of the head and the makes sense and me as a former bartender. Right. As a former bartender, <laughs> I have nearly shot many people, so can vouch. But this is so outrageous. And the, the amount of time he spent in that in room, room, regardless mm-hmm. whether it was before or after the murders, yep. yeah. it does not make sense. He knew one of them. He knew one of them. Like, yeah. he had to have. Or got off somehow by the proximity and... That's not a, I'm mad, you pissed me off, so I'm going to kill you move. That's a, I've been thinking about this. This is like a fantasy been situation. ruminating. Although, yeah. I still think probably the violent, abusive ex did it. But did the bartender have access to like a hotel master key? I mean, any employee you could surmise could get their hands on something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. Mm-hmm. No force entry. You never maybe know. he was hiding in the shower, and then he came out and had the bar of soap. Also, if you knew your way around a particular hotel, you could, pro- and were willing to break the law, you could probably find a master key. Or would you even need a master key if you are an employee of the hotel? You approach the room, you knock, you're recognized mm-hmm. by somebody in there because they had an altercation with you earlier, and yeah. you want to like. You know, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah, I'm here to comp you, you a cocktail. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'd let that fucker in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I'm going to get killed. I have a coupon. I don't Come let into this minivan. In. I have a I puppy do- or a coupon. Yeah. I do not open the door. I look through the keyhole and then I ask them politely to like leave it, whatever they're offering. Your leave whole it front door is glass. No, I'm talking about in hotels. Oh, oh I've stayed in enough hotels by myself. Right, right, right. But I just do not open the door. Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't really do that either. Like I used to when I worked at Rock Bottom in downtown Minneapolis, we did room service for uh, a hotel connected to our Skyway. Mm-hmm. And the amount of times individuals when I was I would deliver alone a lot of times to older men alone mm-hmm. and they always fucking invite you into their room and I was like, "Nope, I'm not allowed to do that." And if they wouldn't take the tray from me, I just put it on the floor and mm-hmm. I left. Mhm. I was like, if you don't want to fucking sign and tip, I don't care. I'm not getting murdered or assaulted because Mm -hmm. of you. So could have been, could have been. Another promising possibility is Raimundo Esparza, who committed an eerily similar crime at an Illinois hotel in June of 1980. Hmm. He was a transient, not my words, um, which could account for him being in Iowa the same year that he'd murdered in Illinois. Mm Mm-hmm. At this Illinois hotel, he killed 25-year-old salesman William Ross Kyle in his room at the Sheraton Motor Inn, Mm -hmm. which, like the Holiday Inn crime scene, there were no signs of forced entry, money was stolen, and toothpaste was splattered around the tub. Oh. The murder weapon was... a lot of possibilities So many possibilities. This case is bonks. The murder weapon was also a sharp object like an axe or a hatchet. However, no soap message in William Kyle's case. And Esparza was the main suspect in the Kyle murder, but investigators couldn't pin him down. And like DNA evidence was not a thing in 1980. So one investigator on the case said in an interview, quote, we just couldn't get what we needed. And what we needed was a confession. At the time, if we'd had DNA, maybe we could have gotten something, but we couldn't even get fingerprints. So did none of this was even collected? Like, it's not like there's like a box no. sitting somewhere that hasn't been tested. No, I, and I, it's so sad, but it also kind of makes sense because it's like, how can you plan ahead for technology that doesn't even exist yeah. yet? Yeah. You know, so it's really frustrating, but it's also like, well, of course, they're not going to collect 
that stuff, they wouldn't have any use for it. Right. And little That's like did at they this know, point, collecting like some air right, in the room. Right. And little did they know, within 10 years, mm-hmm. they're going to have access to that, like huge changes mm-hmm. in technology. Mm-hmm. So it's just sad. So they had no choice but to let this guy go, which would allow him to be available at the time of the holiday and murders. And this guy never was prosecuted for this murder, even though it was like, he definitely did it. We just don't have enough to bring him to trial. Mm. So that's a possibility. And finally, what about Marcella Shat? Oh, Mrs. Ooh. Shat. She shat the bed. I mean, I don't know if I'm smelling shat, but it's a possibility. Women don't murder like that. Not though. like that. It's pretty rare. Yeah. They do, but it's not common. Yeah. Lizzie so Gordon. she's obviously the scorned wife of Roger. Could she have been responsible for the killings or at least for arranging the murder? The fact of the matter is we have no evidence to support this theory, so we're just going to speculate wildly. So Marcella denied ever even knowing that Roger was having an affair, despite other people claiming that his infidelities were common knowledge in their little town of St. Joseph, Missouri. Well, both could be true. Absolutely. She herself believed that it was Danny, the ex, Rose's ex, and that it was not anyone affiliated with Rose really even Roger or her. Mm-hmm. I suppose if she was lying and she actually did know that Roger was cheating, she could have hired somebody to tail them for the weekend and then report back to her. I don't also, think like using a hatchet no. and whittling soap and leaving Th- Right, a, that seems like a gun mm-mm. a gun yeah. situation. Right, if yeah. you're just to paid to make someone die, like you're, you're not gonna- You're getting in and out yeah. real quick. You're not going to sit in... F- the whittling There's a silencer is- involved. Right. Yes. Yeah. The whittling for me is like, that's the key to it all and the mystery of yeah. it all is yeah. the fucking whittling. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing creepier. No. So, you know, that's... It's possible. It's possible that someone in her family was somehow in the know of Roger's activities and acted without Marcella even knowing. Even that, so if, that if, person if would have to be fucking... Well, but if we're stretching this theory, that's the only thing that makes sense to me because then there's someone who's like intimately invested in this because they care so much about Marcella, like maybe. Yeah. But, and, you know. It goes beyond intimacy, though. It does. This is bordering on like. And did Marcella and Roger have kids? Yes, they have one daughter. Yeah, it's not how you want. If you're a mom, it's not how you want your kids to know that their father died. Mm -hmm. No. I'm releasing Shat. I am too. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's worth it's worth discussing. Mm-hmm. Roger's brother, Larry, and his wife, Elizabeth, did believe that Marcella or Marcella's family were involved. They claimed that the day before the murders, Marcella visited them and began crying, which was unlike her. So perhaps she knew something tragic was coming or perhaps she just found out about the infidelity. I don't know. Yeah, but her it's husband's like, away for a long weekend and she has yeah. suspicions. Mm -hmm. Or like she doesn't know, but like subconsciously she knows. Right. Or she's just having a fucking bad day and she cried. Yeah. Maybe she's getting her period daily. It's fine. I I also fully released Shat. It wasn't Shat. She didn't do it. (laughs) So it it wasn't Shat. That's the next t-shirt. So the unfortunate truth is there's just no way to know. (laughs) Free Shat. Free Shat. This case is still open and unsolved. (laughs) This case is still open and unsolved with the most recent update being in 2016, which really wasn't an update at all. It's just an article stating that they're still investigating this now like 40 fucking year old murder, 40 plus year old murder. And they do have like new technology and DNA testing. But like Kenyon pointed out earlier, 
they have nothing to test. Mm, yeah. That like they don't collect that kind of shit or didn't at the time. And anything that they may have collected, like they're going to keep probably clothing and certain things from evidence from the room, but it's also old now too. And with DNA testing not being a thing, then there just wasn't much collected in the first place. It's not bringing up new leads. So authorities are still down a rabbit hole. This is my new. Yeah. This is my new. This is like the Lori Valley. This is your new family genealogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get to the bottom of this shaft. I need to find some Reddit (laughs) threads about this case. Oh, there is is one, and I link it in my uh, in my in my sources, so you can totally go down that rabbit hole. It's bonks. But authorities, they're still encouraging anyone with any information regarding this case to contact the Iowa County Sheriff's Office at 319-642-7307 or the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation at 515-725-6010. And that is my case. Well done. Nice job. Isn't it wild? My favorite you've ever done. Yeah, this is up there. I usually really hate doing unsolved cases, but these theories were so juicy. When it's unsolved, but there are plausible theories, Mm -hmm. that's... that. I, I mean, hashtag it. it was Danny. I think so. I'm gonna like, look I think him it up. had to have Let's been. Let's see what he's been up to since 1980. Yeah. But also, this- my other favorite case that you've done was that, like, child who disappeared in that national park and was, like, <gasps> yes. seen up a cliff. Yeah, because it could have been aliens the or ones a that are wild like- cat. So fucked up that you, you know. I love no talking idea. about a good conspiracy theory too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so I love I anything had, having to do with aliens, but I also do love an unsolved mystery. I hate to say it, I had a lot of fun with this one, mm-hmm. with this grisly motherfucker. Happy for, for you, a fucking mortician's yeah. convention. For I know God's none sakes. of the morticians garnered any suspicion. Nothing that stuck. They would have been a lot more careful about oh, it. My they would have known how to remove blood without using toothpaste. Right. Mm-hmm rookie yeah Yeah, they would have had all the chemicals they needed they wouldn't have used a hatchet on a fucking bed this Mm -mm. this smacks of somebody who's never actually done this before Mm -hmm. right or only to a dog or only to a dog yep so yeah wow well thank you to our fan picker ashi watson oshi oh shit i don't know how to say your name watson <laughs> this was the best a best ocean of our love yeah this was a really great topic yeah this it was so a good much. topic thank you all right, all right. we will see week. you next week bye-bye thanks for listening to wine and crime our cover art is by kala yip music by phil young and Corey wendell editing by jonathan camp check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com you can also follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at wine and crime pod if you have questions answers or recommendations to share email us at wine and crime podcast at gmail.com episodes are available on apple podcasts stitcher google play basically wherever you get your favorite podcast And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! (laughs) 